You sisters know that my skin has been glowing lately, and I'm here to tell you my secret. Oak Essentials. You've heard us talk about their line of luxurious products before, and we're so excited to have them as a sponsor of OK Sister Podcast because now you can join in on the glowy goodness. You know Oak Essentials is legit because it was created by none other than our favorite brand ever, Jenny Kane. Oak Essentials is known for its simple approach to self-care with a lineup of foundational skincare staples made with high-quality ingredients that drive results. It aims to unlock healthy, glowing skin with decadent and hydrating ingredients that give you a luxe, dewy glow. I won't shut up about the Moisture Rich Balm. It's a nutrient-rich balm that supports collagen production and delivers serious hydration for a luminous glow. And a luminous glow indeed. The way my skin feels like butter after applying this balm. This balm will make you never want to wear makeup again. And you can apply generously during your night routine to lock in moisture as you dream. It's the definition of beauty sleep. Treat yourself or someone else this season. You sisters will get 15% off and a free organic honey-based restorative mask with their first order. Oh my God, what a deal. When you use code OKSIS15 at checkout. That's right. 15% off plus a gift with your first order at O-A-K-E-S-S-E-N-T-I-A-L-S.com. Promo code OKSIS15, OKAYSIS15. Go ahead and treat yourself. From luxurious skincare to meaningful self care, you deserve it. Welcome to OKSIS. We are two cultural observers and curious minds who happen to be related. I'm Scout. And I'm Maddie. Get ready for some serious sororal energy as we chat about and comment on one another's current fixation of the week. Ready, ready sisters? sisters? Welcome back to OK Sis. My name is Maddie. And I am Scout. I am the older sister of Mads by three years. And actually, I think it's like two years and nine months or 10 months, but pretty much three years. I love how you have to declare that just so that the listeners are aware of your maturity and authority in this relationship. I Actually, not authority. I usually run this shit. Oh, uh, excuse me. I have a lot of authority when it comes to wisdom, advice, tips, and tricks. You just have more of the authority on everything else. <laughs> that is true. You dominate that arena of OKSIS, the spirituality, the wisdom. You bring the sophistication. And then I kind of layer on the silliness and the laughs, you know, that keep the entertainment going. Yeah. Who do people really show up for is the question. Is it you? Is it me? I'm going to say it's both of us together. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's who it's who we are when we are put into the same room. It's a harmony. It's a harmonious relationship. Oy, okay. <laughs> I mean, it goes up and down. I mean, it's it's a I don't know about harmony, but it's definitely a, a, com- a composition of intense notes and then some nice lovely notes and then some intenser notes yeah the uh the volume inside of this bus is astronomical yeah that's what i say <laughs> not you that's what i say because you're fucking loud <laughs> yeah okay anyway like i'm worried anyways let's just like move right along okay so a couple updates one i Literally right before we started recording, just read the last sweetness, the last sweet sentence of Untamed by Glennon Doyle. 
and we are going to oh, have a God. whole we're going to have a whole you know we need to do a book like a book re- you know everyone knows we're big bibliophiles so we're going to do a huge book uh a book review I don't know but we'll do a whole fix me up on untamed specifically because as Scow had mentioned during her glowing review of it it should be required reading for every woman and we are speaking to women and we're speaking to the women so we need to require them to read it I'm so happy that you picked it up and that you trusted me on this one because Glennon Doyle is a little bit more in like my camp of women that I read, um, like Elizabeth Gilberts and Rachel Hollis and Marie Forleo, and she's more in that camp. So I was so stoked that you took my glowing review and read it and felt just and resonated with it just as much as I did, which I think we'll go over later is that this book literally resonates with every type of woman at any age. It's insane how universal it is and how poignant it is for every like different journey and walks of life and you know, gender, you know, gender orientation. Like there's just so much going on that just resonates with fucking everybody. There's no way to read that book and not feel like a, a, your heart skip a beat. Like there mm-hmm. is not one, you, any person is going to, as you said, resonate with something, some sort of uh, wisdom and, and, and little, little knowledge. But, um, yeah, so we'll do it. We'll do a full breakdown because I think that's really important. Um, it's really, really important. I have some. I have an update. Okay, go ahead. It has been one week since I have switched over to natural deodorant. Oh yes, and yeah, it is going phenomenally well. You know, like I I put it on twice a day just to because I know for the first two weeks you're going through detox and you're supposed to a sweat a lot more and b potentially smell. Um, nobody has told me that I smell and I've asked people, um, I don't believe that I've smelled at all, which is incredible. I'm using the drunk elephant one. And the only time I profusely sweat since, you know, I'm used to using an antiperspirant is when I go for my morning walks, like it's a fucking shower. But other than that, I really am not sweating any more than usual, I think. And I smell great. Like I actually prefer, I think I smelled worse with my old deodorant, if I'm being honest, like in the morning with my old deodorant, I'd be like, I have to shower now. But with this one, I it's so soothing and it's like a lotion. So it moisturizes. I I am really thriving on the natural deodorant train right now. All right. Well, a listener did point out to us that in earlier episodes, we said that we would try natural deodorant only and only if we were in quarantine. And little did we know <laughs> that this... Uh, that was coming for us. Yeah. So, but the thing about me that if, if anyone remembers um, was I was getting insane rashes from... And I tried multiple natural deodorants. I got no, crazy rashes. That's from the and, baking soda. Okay. And... Uh, and I um, developed skin masses, skin lumps that were in my armpit. I mean, this is That's just disgusting. disgusting. I mean, awful, really uncomfortable. And so I was like, you know what? I, secret deodorant. I will never betray you again. But I also understand that it's not, you know, the best for our lymph nodes. Um, Why don't you just try the drunk elephant one that I'm doing? Because honestly, the results are fantastic. All right. So we'll try it. We'll see. I'm even I'm even literally walking outside in tank tops like that's how confident wow. I am in this natural deodorant. Yeah, that's a whew, that is um, you are I'm still I'm still but I'm still in that two week like detox period. And I it's great. Anyways, highly recommend. Um, great update. OK, Mads. Next, um, I would like to. I would like to uh, discuss. OK, 
Kendall Jenner's home. So for those of you who don't know, I would pause this podcast and go watch Kendall Jenner's Architectural Digest YouTube video tour, what have you. I watched this and just just a spoiler alert, um, you're going to get depressed because of the beauty, because of the you are going to be so envious of this incredible home and abode. No. Now, hold no. on. No. I don't wrong wrong mindset. Okay, I don't care what you think right now because this is just it has completely altered my entire dream and existence of what a home should look like. Now, she's an expander. She's your home expander. She's my home. Wonderful. She is my home expander. That is a great way to put it. Now, if you have not seen it, it's obviously I think what's the most jarring is it's such a departure from the classic Kardashian interior design style. Um, it's well, not as. This is why I've always liked Kendall Jenner. You always make fun of me for saying Kendall is my favorite, but she is. She's the most sophisticated, the most culturally in tune, the most high fashion, high couture, high art, all that stuff. Like I love her. Yeah, I was going to say we just watched it right before because I needed Scout to watch it before we discuss it and uh, dissect it. And you know, her with the copper rings, with the art basil, with all of it. It felt so you, Scout. Like, you feel like you would be – and the painting. She has a whole painting room. Like, Scout, you would be – you and Kendall Jenner are soulmates. I, I mean, I have I, to say it. <laughs> thank you. This is what I've been trying to tell people. But every time I'm like, I love Kendall, people think I'm insane. Yeah, like, yeah. I think she is – she hasn't gotten into the complete, like – changing her body to be x y and z like yes her i mean her body's gorgeous and goals and whatever but i mean she's she doesn't get so the, much like, more natural yeah she doesn't get the lip injections and the butt injections and she's just her natural self she does super sophisticated she's just she's on a different she's on a different taste level than the rest of the kardashians in a sense that i resonate with her so much like i feel like we'd be friends if we went to college together mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. if she wasn't a kardashian but this is proof that I was right about Kendall Jenner. Yeah, you are right. So um, some highlights from the home. Um, all the archways, I'm like drooling. I'm just drooling. All the rugs, the the rugs, I uh, like just. The windows, the windows. So the, that one corridor with the windows on both sides, very mm -hmm. It's Complicated-esque, very Nancy Myers vibes. The the kitchen, very oh, Talk about Nancy Myers vibes. That that dark green cabinetry with the marble and then the hanging pots. I mean, can you just imagine? Like, oh. And then also what I love about her is, you know, she says it's a U-shape and it comes out to the pool. And, like, she loves how awkward and old looking the pool is. Like, she didn't reconstruct it to make it that modern square pool that all the Kardashians have. Like, that infinity looking, um, you know, which is beautiful. But it's just not her style. She didn't conform to the Kardashianism and I I am just I have so much more respect for her this video has changed my entire outlook on Kendall Jenner and her placement within the cardia within the Kardashian sphere and I am here to say I'm a, Car a Kendall Jenner stan and you if you ever want to invite me over I will uh marvel and and just use your home as it is intended yeah, and I think that I don't even consider her part of the Kardashian clan. I totally consider her outside because I think she's so different than the rest of them. And the home really did surprise me in the sense that it looked like the size was very um, approachable, I know, like it looked very like there's attainable. Only, there's only two bathrooms, which is 
Well, I'm sure there's probably three, oh. but um, it's just the size. I mean, look, it's a big house, but, you know, if you think of a Kardashian and you think like a huge mansion overlooking whatever and this and that. So it was it was really beautiful, really beautifully done, really good taste. Everything you can tell was of super high quality, not because of it being showy, but of because of like the artistry behind each of her furniture pieces, et cetera. And everything was super intentional. So um, so happy that you love Kendall like I love Kendall. Because I think she's great. And she's also quite eloquent. Um, quite she's, eloquent. She's very eloquent. And that outfit. Oh, oh God. Chic. Kill me now. I, would I wear that? Would I, you I wear that? would be sporting that shit. Was it Gucci? Was it all Gucci? What was it? It's Bendy? definitely like no. a vintage Versace something. or Fendi. It's definitely something like that. Oh, my God. She is it's just super It's super 50s. Like, I, I could probably find something like that at a vintage store. She's exquisite. She, okay, wow. I mean... This is why celebrities do architectural digest because you there is so much insight. It it a home can tell you so much about an individual and it is mm-hmm. just apparent that Kendall Jenner is officially the best Kardashian. I'm going on the record and saying it. Oh, thank God. Yeah. Thank God you've caught up with me yeah, on this. Yeah, yeah. I'm so happy I don't, about I, it. I, I I was blind before and now I am I am rebirthed. I don't if I had to if I had to choose one Kardashian to have like a wine night with it would be Kendall like oh. hands fucking down oh my god I mean anything to get into that house now actually <laughs> like oh wow yeah all right yeah. well anyways Kendall if you're listening everybody go watch Kendall, it on if YouTube you're listening, we'd love to come over and like have Shabbat like we could just like you know cook in your green kitchen like I'm so here for it we'll bring the sugar fish we'll, <laughs> we'll bring the sugar fish uh and sit on your cloud couch and it'll just be a grand time yeah, and sleepover. Okay, thanks. Um, anyways, anyways, that yeah, that was good. I'm gonna actually start watching Architectural Digest because one of my favorite things to do is think about interior decor and houses and all that. They it's like do. literally, I I am on Zillow more than I should yeah. be. These no, days. They like, I'm do. on Zillow more than I am on Instagram. They do an incredible job. It's like the it's like the elevated version of MTV Cribs, and Loved you cribs. need you need to watch Mark Ronson's uh, home on Architectural Digest. You're going to just swoon. If you loved Kendall's, you're going to love his. He has this like Spanish old style home in Silver Lake. Like, oh, so Mark Rodson. Yeah, that's, but like Spanish style is so much more you. I'm so much more mid-century. Like I want floor to ceiling windows. I want a rectangle. I want it to look like a Japanese house. Like there's there's something for you. There's something for you on Architectural Digest YouTube. Um I actually I think that was my current fixation a while ago. I I It was. Yeah. It was. Because I watched one day I sat down and watched every single celebrity home. They have everyone. Everyone that you can mm-hmm. imagine. It's a really really apparently there is a theory though that people do it when they're about to move so that the value of the home um, increases because it's been on Architectural oh. Digest's YouTube channel. I don't think Kendall needs Architectural Digest to up the quality of her this home. Is true. It's just you could just say it's Kendall Jenner's it's house. <laughs> Anyways, Anyways. Uh, let's go through a little bit of housekeeping, guys. Just to let you know, we have a secret Facebook group. It's OK Sisters. Um, link is in the show notes, and it's just a really great community of women who listen to the podcast and are here to support each other through whatever. So it's awesome. And then we have an Instagram at OKSIS Podcast. Uh, we have a newsletter that comes out every Monday. You will either get one today if you're listening to this very early in the morning or if you're listening to this later in the day, you've already got one. Um, it comes out every morning. It's super fucking cute. And it has some inspirational quotes, products, and a little message from Mads and me. And then, yeah, that's about it. You can rate, review, subscribe. Woohoo! Because 
Uh, we love it when you guys rate, and we love it when you review, and that's our favorite part is reading the reviews. So, and also I've been featuring, I've been featuring some reviews on our Instagram stories. So if you want to be featured, I mean, just leave a very silly and and uh, thought through review, and we'll we'll post it. Yeah, we'll post that, baby. Okay, let's get into this episode. Oh, guys, this is a delightful episode. We interviewed. Ashwarya, she is the founder of Brightland, which is the olive oil heard around the world, heard around the Instagram. <laughs> um, you have probably seen this this olive oil on Instagram. It's like the millennial trendy um, olive oil that looks just, I mean, talk about interior design and home decor. I mean, it fits in so perfectly within within the products of your home. And not only that, it's like a very, very sustainable and uh, you know, uh, no chemicals type of olive oil. She kind of dropped some insane facts about olive oil that I think a lot of us don't are not aware of. There's tons of unprocessed things in our olive oil that you're getting from the grocery store. So just be really careful um, when you're going out to buy an olive oil and just go buy Brightland. Yeah, she's lovely. And you're right. She dropped some stuff. I was like, what the fuck am I putting in my food? So, and it's a really beautiful, it would look really good in Kendall Jenner's home, actually, Brightland. It would like super fit into that kitchen. Brightland, if you want to like do an influencer campaign with Kendall Jenner, we'll just like take a percentage, you know? No, well, it'll be from us. We're going to send Kendall Jenner Brightland. Once we have Kendall Jenner's address, all we're going to do is send, all we're going to do is send her Brightland. We won't show up, but we're just going to send her. Yeah, we're just going to send it in a really beautiful box yeah. and there'll be a handwritten note and a photo of us yeah. so she knows what we but, look like. But um, Ashwari was so delightful. She's so She was so gracious with her time and, um, you know, entrepreneur, a woman-led business. I mean, all the things that we are OKSIS approved. Trendy Cute branding, branding. Quality product. Health and wellness. Inspirational woman. You're going to love it, sisters. Exactly. See you on the flip side. <laughs> You didn't like that? <laughs> did you did you stop it already? No, okay, good. I haven't keep stopped recording. Oh my god. You have, I'm going to keep this part you in have too. Never ever. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Okay, ready? Okay. Enjoy Sayers. Enjoy Sayers. Ever since having a baby, I've been extremely conscious about what I spend my money on and which products I use. And clothing is no different. I want my wardrobe to be sustainable, good quality, and timeless. You have to be talking about Whimsy and Row, right? Whimsy and Row is an LA grown, eco conscious brand born out of the love for cute, comfy, and classic styles. Every piece is made by women for women. Quality goods, local production, natural and organic fabrics. Yes, please give me all the linens. Just like OK Sister, Whimsy and Row is based on the idea that women are multidimensional. There's a balance of flirty feminine and minimal masculine in all of our wardrobes, and Whimsy and Row means exactly that. From special occasions to everyday effortless styles, their clothing is meant to mix and match and wear on repeat. I have been wearing their Kira pant in black linen probably three times a week. Sisters, if you've been listening to this podcast or following me on Instagram, you know that Whimsy and Rose Kira Pant in Black Linen is a sisterhood staple at this point. Founder Rachel Temko created the brand back in 2014 because she wanted to create an approachable and inclusive brand that cared for the people and the planet first. 
Get the full Whimsy experience IRL at their Venice location or shop online at whimsyandrow.com. Their store in Venice is so cute. I can attest. And if you're in LA, I highly recommend stopping by. They are always putting on these amazing community events. They just launched their spring summer collection and we will be living in it all summer long. Visit their website, whimsyandrow.com. That's W-H-I-M-S-Y-A-N-D-R-O-W.com and use code OKSISTER for 15% off. Sisters, my goal these days is to always look put together when I leave the house. Nothing over the top or super dressed up or anything like that. I just want to look put together and feel good about what I'm wearing in an effortless yet refined way. When I look at my closet every single morning and think about what I can wear that is chic and intentional, I usually end up grabbing one of my Jenny Kane sweaters and I always end up loving the way I look and the way I feel in them. You all know, sisters, that when I envision my highest self, I am wearing Jenny Kane. Their sweaters are the quintessential must-have item. I cannot stop wearing my Marina set. I throw it on and immediately feel like I'm in a Nancy Myers movie. Like I could just walk on the beach in Santa Barbara. It is the coastal grandma aesthetic. My favorite Jenny Kane sweater right now is their everyday sweater in taupe. This is the definition of a staple that every woman must have in their wardrobe. Sisters, trust me on this one. I wear it with leggings, oversized jeans and a little kitten heel or a silk maxi skirt. Legit, Mads and I are so obsessed with wearing our Johnny Kane sweaters that we've literally shown up both wearing the same sweater once. The white alpaca cocoon crew neck, which is this deliciously oversized sweater. Yeah, that moment takes the cake. Both of us walking in with our matching Jenny Kane sweaters. We're obsessed. Can't take them off. Wearing them every day. The type of staples that save your outfit. That is what I love about their entire collection. It is truly the art of simplicity. They focus on comfort, quality, and timeless design. So you can curate a wardrobe that never goes out of style. Find your new uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code OKSIS at checkout. That's 15% off your first order, J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com, promo code OKSIS. O-K-A-Y-S-I-S. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. Ashwarya Iyer is the founder and CEO of Brightland, a modern pantry essentials company based in LA that has been featured by the New York Times, Vogue, Goop, Fast Company, and more. Previously, Ashwarya spent over a decade in public affairs and corporate communications at various technology companies in both New York City and LA. She started her career at L'Oreal in the luxury products division at Lancome and is a graduate of NYU's Gallatin School of Individualized Study. Ashwarya is originally from Texas and now lives in LA with her husband and dogs, Crosby and Madison. Without further ado, Ashwarya. Hi, thank you so much for having me. We are so excited to talk to you. I mean, Brightland has been all over my Instagram for years now, and Scout and I finally were able to try it. We needed to get you on the pod because this brand is just... It is so delightful and obviously delicious, so we'll get into everything about Brightland. We're so excited to have you. Thank you so much for the kind words. I was on a walk. I go for a walk every single morning, and there's a coffee shop near my house called um, Communal Coffee, and it says coffee and flowers on a big mural, and they sell Brightland there. I was getting a matcha, and I was like, oh, my God, (laughs) it fits so perfectly into their aesthetic. It was so cute. Yay. We love them. They're a wonderful little store. Incredible. 
Okay, yeah, before we get so into adorable. everything olive oil, because I have all of the questions, let's do current fixations. Okay, I will start. My current fixation right now is Gabby Bernstein. Um, so she is a spiritual teacher, an author, etc. And I first was introduced to her. I went to Oprah's Super Soul session a few years ago at UCLA. It was just like a day conference. Tony Robbins was there. It was amazing. And she spoke. And I didn't really connect with her in her speech um, at all, really. And I was a little disappointed because I'd heard such great things about her. I think it might have been an off day or maybe her message I wasn't ready to receive. And and I bought her two first books and read them while I was on my honeymoon. And I felt so connected. And because... And, and all of a sudden, she really sort of helped me jump onto my spiritual journey because in her first book, Spirit Junkie, it's very approachable, very girly, very millennial-esque. And so it put the spiritual terms into very easy, easy to digest situations. So I read those two books and I became very, it was kind of like my introduction into spirituality. And then I've kind of followed her over the years. I listened to her when she's a guest on podcasts and I just started reading The Universe Has Your Back. And it's amazing. I'm about halfway through and it really is. You can tell she's so evolved from her first book to now and the principles are getting a little bit more foundational and a little bit more elevated. And so she's just amazing. Her spirit is so great. Uh, Her messaging is amazing right now. um, The universe has your back is all about choosing when you make choices to be choosing out of love versus fear. And I actually texted Mads this morning. She didn't answer me, but I texted her because I really want her to read this book too, because it's just an amazing spiritual self-development book that I think we, you know, even if you don't believe in a higher power, which um, can, I guess, deter you from the book, there are principles in there that are really great for everybody. That, you know, I, I am aware of Gabby Bernstein and her, you know, presence on the internet. Um, and I know that she's kind of like the cool spiritual gal. So I think if it's relatable enough, I could, I could dabble in it. Yeah. I think you should try. I think you might find some good gems. Fabulous. Okay. So my current fixation, everyone, I have been loving wide mouth, 32 ounce mason jars. So (laughs) literally recently, um, I think I am just in the TikTok world and I am so embedded in it that I have now, you know, everything around me has just been influenced by this, you know, crazy platform that is TikTok. And all the cute Gen Z girls are drinking out of these mason jars and they have gold medal straws. So, you know, I'm just becoming an Emma Chamberlain. I'm becoming a Gen Zer. As everyone knows, I'm obsessed with that generation. And it just is obviously very aesthetically pleasing, but then it can hold 32 ounces. So you're drinking a lot. And of course I have my clever blends in here, which is this um, coffee blend with superfoods. So it has ashwagandha in it, which, you know, we're ashwagandha apologists over here. So that has been part of my ritual is making a little, you know, superfood coffee in my wide mouth mason jar. Okay. No comment. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, more power to you. That sounds great. That sounds, I mean, the only problem with mason jars, it's hard to hold them because they're so big, you know? Yeah, but then you have the little straw, so it's kind of cute, and you just kind of move your head and you and you drink out oh, of you it. Move your head. 
I've been making a lot of mango smoothies, so this is inspiring me to throw them into this large jar. Oh, you have to. It, and it, you know what? It goes well with Brightland. It goes well with the aesthetic. It's just a vibe. It's a great vibe. Okay, Ashwarya, what is your current fixation? I have two. One is in intersectional environmentalism, and the other is cheesy garlic bread. Um, wow, these are just like very on. Uh, yeah, what, <laughs> what a diverse <laughs> set of interests. This is what we're looking for. Okay, go ahead. So, okay, so the concept of intersectional environmentalism is basically an inclusive anti-racist extension of environmentalism that advocates for both protection of people and the planet. And you think that would be very elementary, but it actually isn't. And it was coined by um, an intersectional environmentalist kind of activist named um, Leah Thomas. She was an employee at Patagonia and had a, you know, kind of firsthand experience into what environmentalism and what leading the way could look like, but she found that there were gaps when it came to talking about, you know, people and especially race. And so she coined this term, I think for Brightland, it's something that we think about really deeply as we think about like food source and food production and where our food's coming from um, and the farmers we work with. So I've been studying it and, um, and I'm actually going to be working with Leah on some, on building it out into our, kind of our DNA of our company before we get um, any larger. I love that. I was actually going to mention, I was going to mention Leah because we included her in a roundup of black women in wellness. And I did see that she was on Vogue, you know, coining this term. And um, that is incredible that you guys are going to work together. It's such a perfect synergy. I think, Also, between you I two. just hopped on a phone call with Leah. We were th- talking about working together with my agency. And so Uh, She told me her whole story and she kind of exploded on Instagram lately. And so it's so funny. It's just like come so full circle. We were talking about intersectional environmentalism, which I thought was such an interesting thing. So when you said that, I was like, oh, I wonder if she's talking about Leah. That's so funny. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Totally. Yeah, she's I'm I'm excited to see how we um, end up working together and then end up kind of activating change. So that's one. And then the second is cheesy garlic bread because I have not stopped thinking about Pizza Hut from the 80s. And my parents and I used to visit the Pizza Hut restaurant and we would sit there and order garlic bread. We would order um, breadsticks and the pizza and there'd be a salad buffet that we would go get salad from. And that cheesy garlic bread is so outstanding and I have not been able to find it anywhere. I've not been able to recreate it. I actually have all of the ingredients. I've been scouring recipes and I have all of the ingredients and I'm going to try it tonight. But it's been like on my mind for probably three to four weeks now. So um, that kind of reminds me, Mads, of Pat and Oscar's garlic bread. I feel like that's our childhood um, parallel. Like we always got the garlic bread from Pat and Oscar's, right? Mm -hmm. I know once you have like a craving like that and then also kind of to explore, you know, how you can make it even like a bit healthier or, you know, you're going to make it from home. So it's going to feel more wholesome in a way. And um, I love that. That's great. What I love these. This is such a diverse, diverse set of current fixations. (laughs) We are we are on. We are off to a great start. Okay, but let's get into Brightland because it's obviously cute. It's obviously quality product and has a really great mission. So describe Brightland to us for our listeners who have not seen it on shelves, which I'm sure they'll now be like, oh, yeah, I've totally seen it on shelves. Um, Describe it to us and tell us um, what you do. 
Yes. So Brightland is a modern pantry essentials company. Our hero products are extra virgin olive oils from California. We bottle them in white matte um, bottles, glass bottles. So if you've seen them with the kind of the glass bottles that are white and we really believe in color and um, the colors that we ended up choosing for our brand came from produce, the colors of like fresh produce in California. So um, whether it's like squash blossoms or purple cauliflower, that's incorporated into our, our brand color standpoint. And um, we launched two years ago. So we're two years old as of June 1st. And um, what else can I tell you? We, it's been such a wild ride. You know, honestly, we're a tiny team. It's three of us um, kind of in the headquarters. And then we work with um, a number of part-time sort of freelance consultants. Um, but really small team, um, heads down. And we're about to launch our um, next category outside of olive oil on July 15th, which I'm so excited. I know about. I was going to say, we need to know about like other products. Cause you, you know, you say that, um, I love this, a modern pantry essentials company right now, you only offer olive oil. So we're, I mean, yes. it's going to be, I can just see you guys taking over the pantry and just having a whole line. It's going to be so epic and you know aesthetically wait, pleasing. Wait, obviously. but this is probably but gonna come I, out after oh. July fifteenth. So can you share or is that or is that no yet? Oh, if it's coming out after July fifteenth. Yeah, share, share, share. Um yeah, so on July fifteenth we're debuting um vinegars. So we are working with a family farm in California in the Central Coast, kind of close to Atascadero. And they have a like a fermenter, you know, the the couple, one of them is considered like a kind of an expert fermenter. And the vinegars are double fermented. One is a blackberry balsamic. So they source the grapes from wineries up in Northern California. And then the blackberries are triple crown blackberries that have been double fermented and they're in, um, they're on their farm and they pick them from their farm. And the other vinegar that we're launching with is a California citrus champagne. So it's champagne uh, vinegar, double fermented with Valencia and navel oranges that come from a neighboring farm. And my husband is so my husband's gonna excited. Lose it. That sounds yeah, amazing. This is like a local, like a local sustainable dream. I do, before we get more into it, I do want to read something from your website because I read this passage and I was like, it, you just understand what Brightland stands for when, when you hear this. So it says, Living in a golden state means savoring the simple moments, everyday elegance, cozy days, and slow nights, locally sourced ingredients, warm, crusty bread, stew, and a good book, understanding traceability, endless curiosity, beauty from the inside out, seeking the truth, lazy evening strolls, analog moments, nourishing body, heart, and soul, putting away the screens, California life, conscious actions toward better help, reading the newspaper, verb and vi vibrancy, being fully engaged in the present it living well oh, okay a few things one I mean we're big California girls because we were born and raised in Southern California and we live here two this kind of feels like quarantine in a way and I don't know if you oh my god you know what I mean yes. like to me this embodied like this you know obviously we've talked a lot about you know the stress and anxiety of the pandemic of course and but 
there has been something really beautiful in slowing down and, you know, taking those evening walks, lazy evening strolls, and it just, you know, sitting down with a good book and, you know, people are probably going back to cooking. And so I kind of want to ask a little bit about Brightland in quarantine. Like I've, I would imagine that you guys have seen a spike in demand just because people are kind of resorting back to those domestic kind of, um, you know, family uh, lazy nights and, you know, cooking in and what have you. So talk to us a little bit about, about how that has transitioned for you guys. Yeah. So I wrote these words down in early 2018 when I felt like everyone was picking up their suitcases and rushing off to Bali and just, I could see screen addiction kind of picking up steam and, and I felt like, oh my God, I want things to slow down. I want the world around me to slow down. I want to slow down. And I think it's healthy to put your phone away at, at times. And this was my, um, I think Brightland for me, just, I wanted, I wanted us to embody all of those things. So then fast forward to spring 2020, we are basically living this, but not, it's not our choice. So in some ways it's been such a weird kind of um, thing to see, but at the same time, I think if anything, people are saying, okay, well, we're not going out to eat right now. We're not, you know, going on a fancy vacation. So let's, um, let's be more mindful about what we're eating. Let's be more mindful about what we're cooking and let's add a little bit of joy into that everyday thing that has become routine and a bit mundane. And so we've absolutely seen, you know, an uptick in, in customers and, and people, first time customers who have been, um, who have been excited to, I think, incorporate something like Brightland into their also, I, there's such a dis, I'm starting to understand as we've talked to so many women entrepreneurs who have products that it's about the product and the quality of the product and the design of the product, but it's so also clearly about a lifestyle. And there's almost like this lifestyle purpose behind products, which I think that Brightland does really well, especially with this kind of excerpt that you guys do. You know, it's olive oil, but it's also a moment in time. It's slowing down. It's experiencing it. Can you kind of talk about that connection to your product essentially and how it has a deeper purpose and a deeper kind of vibe, mood, you know, ambiance to, to the experience of using Brightland? Yeah, I think you answered your own question in a certain way because, you know, when I took a step back and thought about what is the brand that I want to build, and this was in 2017 when I really started committing um, a lot of time to, to working on this, I thought a lot about the idea that a lot of people, especially if you have investors and you have a lot of I think pressure to grow quickly, you want to become everything to everybody. And I thought a lot about, okay, rather than going that direction, why don't we, why don't we focus a little more within and think about nourishment and think about things in a more, I think, mindful way. And so that was the first piece of it. And then the second piece was a little bit, you know, I felt like the world was moving really quickly and I personally wanted to slow down. I wanted to stay in and cook more. And what does that mean? And how can we, how can our products serve as like a conduit and as a tool for people to say, okay, I actually need to use both hands to, this is silly, but like to need some focaccia and drizzle Brightland luxuriously over it. I can't just be focused on getting that great, like, um, shot on, you know, for Instagram. And that was the, that was the kind of impetus and, and really the mission behind it. Um, 
and it's hard, you know, because ultimately we are a digital brand. So we do rely on Instagram. We do rely on people sharing and, and posting um, and creating content in that way. But I always like to say, you know, even the way that we think about Instagram, we only post three or four times a week. Like we don't post every single day. We don't post on stories every single day because we don't want to turn into this like relentless content engine. I would rather be a bit slower about it and take a step back and say, okay, we don't always have to have something to say. Yeah. It feels like this, this mission permeates into not just the product and the experience of using the product, but also in your company as in, you know, within your internal teams and the way within your operation, which I think is really admirable. And I don't, I don't think a lot of companies can say something like that where the intention, even with posting and yes, I mean, your branding, I mean, it goes without saying your branding is like impeccable. So, you know, people are going to want to capture it and it's a very perfect aesthetic for Instagram and things like that. But it's really nice to hear that your intention behind, um, your social media strategy is also the same as the experience that comes with the product. I think that's there's also like a kind of, I'm just realizing this sort of similarity and sort of a beautiful effect on Instagram. As we were talking, you know, you said, you know, of course you, you want it to be shared and you are a digital brand in that sense, but there's also this sort of surgence of Instagram created a very big emphasis on aesthetics and things looking a certain way in a sense that we're creating our environment. Right. And so brands have almost followed suit because they want to be captured on Instagram in a beautiful way, but then kind of the double effect of that is that Brightland looks beautiful on my kitchen, right? Like branding has been, Instagram has made branding such an important factor of the process, which I think is a really beautiful thing because in that way, we're also decorating our our physical lives with the products that we choose to purchase. Yes, exactly. It's like both analog and digital. But at the same time, I think, you know, two years, like when I was thinking about what our brand visually would look like, that was in 2017. So now we're in 2020. And I have to say, I think that it's really noisy and brands that I've seen launch afterwards. And even us, you know, in terms of inspiration, we have to be really careful about not looking at what other people are doing because it's almost too easy to then get caught in this like whirlwind of everything looking the same. And so I like to, you know, tell my team like, okay, let's go to a museum or let's buy some coffee table books that have nothing to do with any of anything current. Let's look at the past. Let's look at, um, you know, historical brands. Let's try to dig from within if we can, because otherwise, I don't know, you can end up with, you can end up with sameness. And one thing that I'll add to that, one of our, um, for vinegar, our photo shoot inspiration was very specific. I said, I really want it to look like the south of France in the 80s or like a French countryside and kind of the mix of those two things. And that's the route that we went in in terms of the kind of the world we created from a photography standpoint. Yeah, I mean, that definitely comes across. Um, So I kind of want to talk a bit about your background because, you know, you came from public affairs and corporate communications, which doesn't really like, (laughs) you know, scream trendy olive oil brand. So kind of talk about the transition and, you know, why olive oil specifically? Why that uh, initial ingredient or initial product? Yeah, absolutely. So I graduated into the recession. I graduated in 2008. Um, I 
started at L'Oreal and then went to a startup, got laid off because of the recession and was just like desperately looking for a job. I think I was doing some internships and then eventually got a job at a finance technology company and I was there for about four years. It was the most formative kind of years for my career because I learned what it was like to move quickly, to be nimble. We went from like 30 to 200 employees in a matter of a couple of years. And I saw leadership, like how-tos and then what not to do. And it was just an incredible experience. But all that to say, I didn't spend much time at home. Like I work was everything. And afterwards I was very social. So I would go out at night. I had a spreadsheet of like 600 restaurants and was bopping around the city doing that. And it was before wellness was even a topic of conversation, honestly. Like that's just not, we were, you know, drinking wine and and eating massive cheese plates and like called that wellness, I suppose. Um, And around year eight of living in New York, I started cooking more, like slowed down a little bit. And one thing that I kept noticing was that I kept getting these like awkward belly aches. And at first I thought that it was bread. And then I thought that it was cheese and thought it was spices and kept cutting things out. And eventually the only constant that was left was the cooking oil that I was using. And um, the more kind of research that I did, just Googling, (laughs) it was um, olive oil. And I found out that north of 70% of the olive oil that Americans consume is rotten, rancid, or it's been adulterated, which means that it's been blended with palm oil or canola oil or some sort of, you know, corn oil. And there's massive amounts of fraud happening in the industry. Like 60 Minutes has done some really interesting pieces about it if you're interested in checking it out. Um, And we have a research section on our site that you can see that has a lot of external news sources citing um, the research that they've done. And I thought the whole thing was just so disgusting and weird. And when I asked friends, everyone was like, ew, I didn't know that this was happening. Um, And I would ask y'all too, like, did you know that, you know, there's olive oil fraud? I I uh, knew no. that there were certain restaurants, and I won't name them, that I would go to and my stomach would hurt, and then I figured out it's because of the oil they were using. Right. And because there are mycotoxins, if it's rancid, and, um, it, you know, it just bummed me out because you're not getting any of the health benefits that you think you're getting. Like, people talk about extra virgin olive oil as having this, like, amazing superfood, like, incredible health benefits, but if you are not consuming something that's real or if you're consuming something that's r- rotten or rancid already, the health benefits are zero, and if anything, it's hurting you. So I thought that this was ridiculous, and at first, you know, I <laughs> I think because I didn't come from a CPG or kind of the food background, at first, my first thought was like, okay, well, someone in the food industry who's famous and cool, like they're gonna do this. Like it's not my it's not my business to to start anything. And then the second thing that I thought was oh, maybe I'll start like a certification program. (laughs) So I, you know, thought about that and what that could look like. But then I um, ended up getting a job at a startup here in LA and moved out here and started visiting all of farms um, up and down kind of, you know, Central Coast and Northern California. Was just so floored by um, what's happening here domestically from a production standpoint, quality, Um, how they're thinking about um, just nutrient-dense farms, regenerative agriculture. And I was really excited and inspired and said, 
well, what if I start something that kind of celebrates the the domestic olive oil production and create something that also is really emotionally resonant? So that was the like process. And then of course it was a ton of, um, a ton of like inner critic, like imposter syndrome of like, why the heck should you do this? So all in all, it took over two years for me to come to a decision to say, okay, I'm going to actually do this. And talk us through those initial steps. Were you working full time or did you quit your job to launch it or did you kind of wait a few months? What did the logistics of that look like? It was a bit of both. So I was working full time at a startup. I left and I started consulting. A friend of mine and I teamed up together because by then we had had, each of us had had over a decade of public affairs and comms experience. So, and we had a good kind of list of um, LA and New York based startups that we had uh, really kind of um, good relationships with. So we started consulting and I think we worked with 13, 14 companies. Um, and we both told each other, okay, well, we each have our own kind of business idea, so let's spend kind of evenings and weekends working on it. So that was what we did for the first, like, year. And then um, about a year and a half into that, I said, okay, I'm going to actually – I think I've done enough research. I think I have to dedicate more time full-time. So I, we, we both um, decided to kind of – we basically narrowed down the number of clients we had. So at one point we had six and then we had five and then we had four and then three and two. And then eventually we said, okay, let's just pause this indefinitely and work on our, our projects and our companies. So I spent about, you know, with, without, um, the consulting piece, I spent about seven months working on Brightland, kind of a hundred percent heads down and then we launched in June of 2018. And did you guys have an initial investment or was it all the money you had saved? Did you go out and raise money? Um, how did that aspect look like? I, it was my savings. Damn so girl. I decided not to raise money. <laughs> I decided not to raise money because I had worked at three venture-backed startups that had each raised, you know, 30, 50, 60 million from all of the best kind of top tier investors. And I saw what it could do and I, I saw its limitations as well. So I really wanted, and I also, the companies that I worked, worked at were all consumer technology or finance technology companies. They were not consumer products. So I didn't really understand that landscape of like, what does a consumer product investor look at? How does, all I knew was that I saw some of these companies like Allbirds in a way start. And in year two, they had 500 employees and it just seemed like such rapid growth. And that I, I wasn't sure if that's what I wanted and that's what I wanted to build. And so I said, okay, why don't I just try to see how far, how, how much can I, candidly, how much can I hustle and how much can I um, do with nothing and then see, see where that takes me, how far we can get and then we can revisit and, and, and let's also see if people really even want to buy this. Are people excited about this? Because these are all things that no matter how many research studies or you know, surveys that you do or even fancy consultants you hire which I didn't do, but I know that, you know, companies certainly do that prior to launching, like you just don't know. And so um, that was the risk that I took. Also a privileged risk because I had accumulated savings and I am married. So I didn't need a salary for a little bit of time. I didn't take a salary. Um, so these are all privileges that I have. And um, 
that is how I, we launched the company. I want to ask you um, about marketing and about kind of, I mean, I think in also tech terms, I work at, uh, I've only worked at tech startups my whole career. And in terms of like user acquisition and how you got customers in the beginning, like obviously I think the branding must have helped um, just because it could fit nicely into other brands. And um, I think millennials really understand this type of brand, but how did you initially get that, you know, education across? And because um, I know that, you know, sustainability is at Brightland's core and you want to educate people about the, you know, evils of olive oil in this country, in this world. So talk to us about that initial like marketing of the product. It's a good question because our website at one point when you came to the homepage, it was very doomsday. Like it was very much like this is a massive issue. Do you know what you're, it was almost like a dun dun dun, do you know what you're, you know, eating kind of thing. And I had to take a step back and really think about, okay, you know what, let's lead with a little more optimism rather than like doomsday negativity, because it's really tempting to lead with that negativity from like a marketing or like a brand statement standpoint. Um, so that's one piece of it. But but tactically, I understood PR and comms because that was the world that I came from. So I knew you have multiple routes when you launch a company. If you're well-funded, you can do many of these things at once. It's like you can do paid acquisition, which means you spend money on Facebook and Instagram and Google ads and all of that stuff. You can do um, PR. You can do a massive like influencer outreach, you know, where you maybe ping. Like I had a friend who had a makeup brand or a skincare brand, and she reached out to a thousand influencers and sent a thousand people product before they launched so that it just blanketed Instagram the day that they launched. We didn't, so it depends on your budget. We did not have capacity to be able to do a thousand person influencer launch. We, I did not come from like a paid acquisition background, especially for a physical good. So I didn't feel comfortable putting our eggs in that basket just yet without clear understanding of return on our investment. So the thing that I understood because of my own experience was PR. And I said, you know what, let's invest in um, a food PR firm who understands the food landscape. And so I brought on a wonderful PR firm called Becca PR for our launch. And they helped us get into the New York Times Tea Style magazine the day that we launched. And we decided to go with an exclusive. So only the Times that Style magazine covered us. So there was focus, which some people I think would also argue against that because they'd say, oh, no, you should have been in like 10, 12 different publications that all wrote about you at the same time. But I decided to go with the focus route. And that's how we launched. And that really helped put us on the map because um, it solidified our position from a brand and kind of um, mission standpoint. And those were our first customers. And many of them are, are still our customers because we do have a subscription component. So many of those people that joined that first day are still with us. I want to, that's amazing. First of all, what a way to start with a bang um, for sure. I want to talk a little bit. You just mentioned subscription. Subscription models, I believe, are such a smart way to do things. Can you talk a little bit about what that looks like for you guys? Yes. So we have both a la carte and subscription. So you can buy our two hero products a la carte, and then we have additional kind of special flavored oils where we partner with artists 
and do artist label collaborations. So we have three of those special uh, products. But the two hero products, Brightland's Awake and Alive, you can buy a la carte or they come as a subscription. And you can, when we launched, we launched with quarterly subscription only because we wanted to understand our people emailing us and asking us to move up their date, move back their date. So three months felt like a good amount of time that people would go through those two bottles. And what we found was that the majority of our customers were saying, hey, I already went through it. Can you move up my date? Or can I sign up for like a double subscription? And so we decided to introduce a monthly and a bi-monthly subscription. And so with that, it's, I think it's around 15% cheaper than buying them a la carte. You can cancel any time, of course. And we include like a special gift in each order so that you feel, you know, our subscribers are really special and important to us. And then during this sort of pandemic, um, we've actually introduced some like subscriber only cooking classes and some other special delights for for that for just them yeah i was gonna say that's a a built-in community i mean the loyalty that comes with whenever you subscribe to a product you are obviously um you know, cementing its importance in your life and your loyalty to that brand. So that's, that's incredible because you, again, like, and as we were mentioning, uh, Scout had mentioned earlier, I think products these days, it's not just enough to have a superior product. It is about fostering that community and that dialogue around it. And I love that. That's a really, that's a really, really good approach. Did you guys start off doing subscriptions or did you kind of implement it down the line? We started with subscription yeah. from the first day as a test and we weren't sure to be honest. Mm. That's um, really smart. But mm. we learned a lot in the first six, eight months. And then we started rolling out additional features. So like monthly or bi-monthly and then the number, the kind of the, the number two most asked feature right now is our customers want to be able to go in and um, adjust themselves because right now they have to always email us. So that's the next thing that we're working on. Wow. I love it. I love it. Um, should we ask our favorite question, Mads? Yes, please. Okay. If you had to brag, we ask all of our, our beautiful guests this, if you had to brag about one thing that you've accomplished in your life, what would it be? And don't be humble. Oh my goodness. I think it's bringing this brand to life. Really. I mean, I have, I have exceeded my wildest dreams. I always tell people that when I was younger, I had a small, I had small dreams. Like I wanted to be a, an optometrist and live in my, in my suburb in Houston. I just didn't think of myself as being able to be any bigger or being able to do any more. And um, I think it's a function of coming from an immigrant family where safety and security is really valued. So I think that that was one piece of it. But I think it was also me. Like I had friends who wanted to be Supreme Court judges and all kinds of things. But I thought, oh, no, like I, I was almost like shrinking myself a little bit. And so to now be doing what I'm doing and to be building um, a brand and a company and to be addressing 15 different parts at any given time, whether it's our supply chain or P&L, accounting, legal, social, PR, and to be doing all of that, I'm incredibly proud of myself. Hey, uh, You're proud of me, you too. It makes me so happy to Thank hear. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Tell okay. Oh. Oh. 
Were you going to go, guys? Sorry, go, yeah, go, go. Well, well, because I wanted to touch on, um, we're going to ask you to obviously pimp yourself out and tell everyone where they can buy Brightland. But um, I think I, I want to just ask about the retailers. So you, you know, you are, as Scott mentioned, in coffee shops and really cute uh, spaces. So talk to us about going into retail and um, kind of bringing the brand off of your website. Yes, absolutely. I think for us, we always knew that we were going to be a, I guess, in in like D to C world, it's called like omni-channel. And we always knew that we wanted to be a multi-channel brand. And the reason for that is because ultimately I want people to be able to see and feel and touch the brand. And I want them to be able to experience us around other like-minded products and other beautiful brands. And I don't think I, I didn't ever really want us to just live on our website in a one dimensional way. And so pretty soon after launch, I think it was a month after launch, we started talking to retail partners and started partnering with folks like communal coffee and regular visitors in New York. And we're in about 150 or 200 stores now around the country um, we also work with larger retailers. So Goop is a partner of ours. Huckberry is a partner of ours. Uh, Nordstrom, Neiman Marcus, Anthropology. Um, so we work with a kind of a nice wide variety of, of partners. Um, we also work with some specialty grocers, some wine and cheese shops. So it's really nice to see the different use cases that somebody grabs a bottle of Brightland, whether it's like as a housewarming gift or, you know, Friday night, they're going to be making a big meal. So they grab it. Um, so it's been really wonderful to see that. And it's wonderful to see us be accessible to, you know, we have stores in Minneapolis and in Cape Cod and in Florida. And so um, it's been a wonderful part of our strategy. Um, and I just can't wait until this pandemic is sort of at a different stage where, you know, retail is a bigger part of everybody's life again. Okay. Where can everyone find Brightland on social, online, anywhere? Where can you buy it? Yes. yes. So you can buy Brightland by going to our website, brightland.co. Um, we are on social. We are, uh, it's we are Brightland <laughs> is our Instagram handle. Um, and if you want to sign up for our, um, we have a referral program. So if you want to refer some of your friends, go to our website and on the top right hand side, this, there's, there's something about referral or something about, I, I actually don't remember what the word words are, but you'll see it and you can refer friends and every time friends buy some, then you also get some credit and it's a really wonderful way to, um, spread the word and get beautiful olive oil. I love that. Thank you so much for coming on. You can find us at OK Sis Podcast. Love you, sisters. Love you, sisters. Thank you so much for having me. Hey there, I'm Dr. Tracy Dalglish, clinical psychologist and couples therapist. If there's one thing I know from both my personal and clinical experience, it's that we are really good at comparing ourselves to others. We tend to get stuck in the unhelpful narratives that play on repeat in our minds, and we struggle to set boundaries and create healthy love. Each week, I bring you clinical knowledge and evidence-based research, experiences of sitting in the therapist chair, and being a wife, mother, and business owner to talk about everyday issues we all face to help you you change the dialogue in your life. Tune in every Thursday to I'm Not Your Shrink wherever you listen to podcasts. While I'm not your shrink, I am still human and I'm excited for us to be in our vulnerability and humanness together.